Welcome to Passion Life Church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Today we conclude this incredible series called Dominion. Would you say that word? Say Dominion. We learn from the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 1 that God gave mankind dominion. He gave it to Adam and Eve, but yet Adam and Eve gave it over to the devil. That's why the devil is called the God of this age. And so dominion was given up through disobedience. And I thought about that a lot during this series because when we are tempted a lot in life, we all get tempted. It's not a sin. We all have that in our life that we get tempted for certain things. But when we get tempted and we disobey, we actually give up parts of our dominion. But because Adam and Eve lost their dominion as a human, that's why it was so important that Jesus would put on human flesh and come, watch this, and he would exercise dominion and win in every Every single area that the first Adam lost, we have what the Bible says, a second Adam, and he stripped the enemy of his power through his death and life and, and, and burial and resurrection. Can I hear a good amen today? And so this has been our theme scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, 17. It says, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. Somebody say reign. Reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. So we reign through Jesus Christ. And so today I've titled today's message for the note takers. It's actually today, it's pick your own title. I have like three titles. So I'm just going to let you pick the one that you want. You can call it How to Win, if you want to call it that, or you can call it Armed and Dangerous. I didn't know if I could put that on YouTube without us getting like, you know, checkmarked or something like that. Like, what kind of church is this? The Armed and Dangerous. Or you can call it Get Your Fight Back, if you want, or you could put it all three together and you can put, listen, because I'm armed and dangerous, I'm going to win, so I'm going to get my fight back. How's that? That's the longest sermon title ever in the history of mankind. Okay, you're not excited about that, but that's all right. This is how to win. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hopes, hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, today's message is not going to be an average message. I feel like I can't be uh, just calm and withdrawn when it comes to this title of dominion, because as you talk about dominion, again, some would say, you know, Pastor Phil, this is a strong word. It's not an everyday word. I know, but it is a Bible word. And God thought that so fit that we would put it, he would put it in Genesis chapter one and give it to man. He would give man dominion. And again, not dominion over people. That's not what we're talking about. We're not going to talk about, we're not talking about dominating people. Although today we're going to talk about dealing with people. But we are going to talk about dominion in the sense of what God has given us. And I think that as we talk about dominion, you know, um, there's this idea that, and it's actually a truth that people, uh, let, let me go back to my notes here. Because when we, talk to, uh, when we talk about dominion, I know some would say, Phil, that's, that's a strong word. And I, I just don't like conflict. And I know that's interesting. I know, I know that's an interesting thing because to say I do like conflict would be absolutely weird, right? It's like, I'm the conflict person. I love conflict. 
But the truth is, is there is a spiritual battle that the Bible tells us about that you're going to have to engage in. Can I hear a good amen today? Yes, the battle is won. Yes, the battle is the Lord's, right? But we are here to exercise the dominion that God has given mankind. And I think that what I'm seeing a lot as I, as I talk to different people, and they're like, well, I just don't like conflict. I understand, but you cannot become passive when it comes to the spiritual war that's happening for your own life. You can't become passive because I think that now what's happening is because some people are like, you know, I just that dominion. It's a strong word. It's aggressive, Pastor Phil. And, you know, I just I, I, I'm just going to kind of sit back, you know, and, and just rest in the Lord. Can I just tell you what resting is? Resting is trusting in the Lord. Resting is active. Resting is not just I'm just going to sit out and just let what be what will be. No, actually, we have to get past this whole idea of just apathy and what will happen will happen. And we have to start to engage in this spiritual battle. And I think for some people, instead of engaging, that what have happened is they become apathetic. And what I, I believe is because now our goal has become, we're just going to settle for safety. Because we've settled for safety, now we don't walk in victory anymore. And so, although people want change, nothing changes, right? Because they believe, oh, the more comfort that I have in my life, then what happens is they feel, if I'm just comfortable, then you know what? I'll, I'll, more than likely, I'll see more victory. That, that's not true. If your goal is comfort, you're not going to see victory. Can I hear a good amen today? And I feel like that's a lot of people. I just want to be comfortable. No, I want to be victorious. And we're going to have to decide because comfort is where dreams go to die. And although he has already won the victory, I am here, the Bible says, to stir you up, to get your passion back, to get our church, to get back to the, the Passion Life Church name, that we are not just some comfortable, apathetic church. No, we're going to go forward. Come on. We're going to walk into a new building in Jesus' name. We're not just going to sit back. We're going to move forward. We're not going to just be apathetic. Can I tell you why? Because you'll never have anything if you're not you're not willing to contend for. You'll never have the things you need if you're not willing to contend for. You know, the Bible says contend for the faith. The Bible says fight, the good fight of faith. So what is the fight for? The fight is for your faith. But whatever you're not willing to confront will conquer you. So you got to engage. It's time to engage. Can I ask you a question? Who's going to fight for your marriage? Who's going to fight for your kids? Who's going to fight for our church? I'm going to ask you this question. Who's going to fight for our city? Who's going to fight for California? It's not going to be politicians. Are you here this morning? Who's going to fight for our communities? Who's going to fight for the youth of this school? Who's going to do that? You, Pastor Phil, you will do it. I will do it. But you know what? I want an army of Christians behind me that know their authority and know their dominion. And we're going to stand up and say, you know what, devil? You cannot have our city. You cannot have my home. You cannot have my marriage. You cannot have my church. You cannot have my nation in Jesus' name. Because the enemy is not passive. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant." Uh, how do you say that word? Vigilant. No, that's not. Vigilant, vigilant, thank you. Thinking of the village people. I don't, I don't know why, that's kind of weird. Be vigilant, because be sober, because he's going around roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
And Paul starts to tell us in Ephesians chapter 6, he says that there's a very serious spiritual battle going on. Can I just say it this way? It's more than what you see with the physical eye. There's more happening in your life right now that you cannot see. Let Let me say these words. There are influences at play right now that hate you because the devil hates God. Because he can't hurt God, he tries to hurt his people. But today, you're going to realize that you are in a spiritual battle and that you can win because you're armed and dangerous. And so today, some of us need to get our fight back. Some of you need to get your roar back. Pastor Phil, but it's Christmas, and when are we going to talk about the baby Jesus and the wise men and all those beautiful things? You know what I was thinking about when I was thinking about Christmas? I was thinking, as much as I love Christmas, I love Christmas. Did you know that there was a tension even in the Christmas story? The enemy was trying to kill the, the birth of Jesus as he was birthed, right? What, what happened? In two years, uh, uh, Herod said, I- I'm going to kill every young boy that two years and younger. Why? Because the enemy comes in. Even in this beautiful time, the enemy tries to destroy Christmas. Can I just say it this way? He's going to try to destroy your Christmas this year too with all of the things that are going on in your life. But you know what? Today, you're going to get your fight back. Today, you are going to say, in Jesus' name, I know who I am. I know what I can do. And I'm going to have the best holidays. And so Paul is making us aware that there's a serious battle for your life. This is why he says, today's going to be a little bit more intense than normal because these are intense words. Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Watch. And in the power of his might. And so what he's reminding us is that no matter whatever you're facing, you actually have the strength of God Almighty on the inside of you. Parents, you have the strength to parent. We have the strength to have a good marriage. We have the strength to overcome the evil one. And it's the, it's the, very, it's the Lord's very own strength. Can I just tell you? Because when you're in a battle, that, this means if you have the strength, you're not alone. You're not just fighting with your own intellect. You're not just fighting with your own you know, physical energy or will. You actually have the strength of God. And Paul is like, listen, you have to be strong and in the power of his might. I looked up this word strong in the Greek. It means inwardly strengthen to enable. Listen to that. Inwardly strengthen. Listen, I'm all for health. I'm all for, man, take care of your body. That's, that's, that's awesome. But can I just tell you, we're in a spiritual battle. Your spirit has to be strong because it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And so rest means this total dependence on God. And that actually takes faith. Resting is active. It's, it's taking faith, right, and believing. I have total dependence on God. The victory is won. I'm going to enforce the victory. But it's also a total dependence that if I do what this book says, I will win. I will win in Jesus' name. So We experience the victory by fighting the way that God tells us to. And it's a fight for our faith. So this is what Paul says. Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Here's number one for today. We win when we fight the right battles the right way. You know what? If you don't understand this, if you think that your enemy is people, it's not 
people. It's the influences that are influencing people. Your enemy is not your spouse. Can I hear a good amen today? But he wants and he desires to divide us. He desires to influence your children. There's influences all around. Even the Bible talks about familiar spirits that come, that they knew your dad, they knew your grandfather, they know you, they know your tendencies, and they like to try to influence you back to be the person that you were. Am I just talking about myself today, or does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Right? Just because I'm saved, just because I'm redeemed, I'm the righteousness of God, those familiar spirits don't just go away. I have to enforce the victory that God has won. And I don't have to be the same anymore. I am different. But see, God and the devil are going after the same thing. You know what that is? People. God wants souls for heaven. The devil wants souls for hell. God wants to use people to accomplish his purposes, but the devil wants to accomplish his kingdom purposes. And Paul is saying, if you don't know who the real enemy is, you will waste your time and your energy and you'll fight the wrong battles. I, I have a couple of pet peeves in my life. Do you have any of those kind of things, things that just bother you, you know? One of the things that bothered me is meaningless work. Why did we do all that? for nothing. I don't like that. And Paul is trying to get us to a place where our life is full of purpose to understand that there is a bigger spiritual world than what you're seeing. And it's not the person that you're battling. It's the influence of the spirit that's behind the person because God can use people, but so can the devil. And so I can fight with you, but the truth is I actually need to pray about the influence that's behind you. I need to pray against what's happening. It's not my boss that's the problem. It's what's influencing. The Bible says it's principalities and powers. And so even I'm very aware of this in our marriage with, with my wife because they're not just little arguments. They're not just little things that are happening. You know what it is? If we're not careful, it, we can be influenced by principalities and powers to divide our home. And so I can look at her and go, you're the problem. She can look at me and go, I'm the problem. But the, the truth is, is that there's an influence outside of what we know. And if we give in to that and not exercise dominion, we can really have a horrible marriage to the point of divorce. Can I hear a good amen today? What I'm trying to do is trying to make you aware that there are forces outside of what you see that are happening. Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly, but the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to show you that God's word is not true. He wants to try to prove that to you in, by, by influencing you and influencing your decisions. But I want to fight the right way, and I want to fight the right battle. Why? I don't want to waste my time and energy. Does anybody have time and energy to waste? I don't have time and energy to waste. And I fought the wrong battles. And can I tell you, some of the battles that I've just lost, even just in, with people, was because I didn't realize this. I got mad at a person not realizing there was something that was behind them. But I can I also tell you, when I realized this, and I started praying, people, people come to me all the time and say, oh, Phil, you don't understand my boss. Oh, they're so, they just, they have it out for me. They're saying this. And I just say, pray that they'll be moved out. What? Pray that God will move them out or God will promote you. My neighbors just moved a while ago. They didn't know I prayed them out. This is a God's house. This is our miracle home. You're not going to sit here and disrupt the peace. I'm praying you out. And I was like, hey, bud, how you doing? In Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray. Move them. Open doors for them. Out of here in Jesus' name. You have authority. 
because that might actually even be better for them. And it's better for us. Come on, can I hear a good amen? Or I can sit there and argue with them and argue, right? I'm not saying you don't stand up for yourself, but what I'm just trying to tell you is there's something at play that's bigger. It's an influence that wants to attach itself to your kids. It wants you not to be a good parent. It's the enemy. And so we have to understand that we have to fight the battles the right way. Yes, we deal with people, but it's what's influencing them. That should be our target through prayer. Are you learning something today? And then Paul says this. He says there's armor to fight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor. Everybody say whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the plots of the enemy. So Paul is start to get, he's going to start to get militant on us. And a lot of people think that when he wrote this, he was in a prison and he was actually chained to a Roman soldier. And he thought, what a creative idea. I will just begin to write about how God's armor is for us as believers. And here's what he did. Every single piece of this armor that has been given to you is actually a truth. You need to write that down. Although we talk about pieces of armor, these pieces that Paul is about to go through are actually each one of them a truth for your life. And here's the cool thing. All of the armor that he's about to talk about, and we're just going to go through briefly, it all works together. Somebody say it works together. Now, here's number two. We put on the armor, because he says put on the armor. How do you put on the armor? He, we put on the armor by acting based on what God said. Okay? So Paul is saying, hey, look, you're going to put on this armor, and it's a picture of just you clothing yourself. But how do I clothe myself? I clothe myself by acting on God's word. When we act on God's word, it's like armor. So what happens is for you as a child of God, listen, you are not a victim. You are armed and dangerous to take on the kingdom of darkness. You are armed and you are dangerous. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are armed and you are dangerous. And you know what you are too? You're totally covered. You're totally protected. With God's full armor, you and I as the children of God are totally protected. Totally protected. All right. Now let me just tell you this before we go through the armor. For all of you first, there's no armor for the back of your body. And I'm going to tell you why. Two reasons. Number one, because you're not running away. You're not quitting. You are not surrendering, and you are not waving the flag of surrender. That's why there's no armor for the back of your body. You are not retreating. You are not. You are going forward. Come on, say, I'm going forward. I'm not retreating. I'm not giving up. You know how you lose the battle? You give up. But we're not going to surrender. So there's no armor today for the back. Number two, there's no armor because you know what is behind you? The Bible says goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. So you have the armor on front of you and you have goodness and mercy behind you. So if I do take a step back, I'm staking a step back into goodness and mercy. I'm talking a little bit intense today because I feel like for us, and it's just today, tomorrow, next week we'll get into, you know, baby Jesus and all the great stuff. But I feel like today we have a lot of Christians who are wimpy. I'm sorry. But I feel like as I talk to people, they're just like, eh. and I'm like, the devil is going to kick 
your butt with that type of attitude. You gotta get your fight back. You gotta get it back. You gotta get your roar back. Like this is mine. Healing is mine. Salvation is mine. Righteousness is mine in Jesus' name. And not just Kesara, Kesara, what will be, what will be. No, you gotta get your fight back. And I liked it because I love the words that Paul is using. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Put on the armor of God. Get ready to fight. You're armed and you're dangerous because you're going to win in Jesus' name. See, I had four people that said amen on that. I said, you're going to win in Jesus' name. So this is what he says. How many of you like to know how to use the armor and how it works? Paul says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice what he says. Here's the first one. He says, the belt of truth. Now, again, each one of these pieces is a truth that we're supposed to act on. And these pieces all work together. Now, can I just ask you, my church family, doesn't it all begin and end with truth? If this isn't true, we shouldn't even go through it if it's not true, right? Truth holds everything together. Relationships, truth is the foundation of trust in relationships. It's, it's all about truth. And so what Paul says is truth is like a belt that holds all of the armor together. It holds the sword. It gives you stability, support. Have you ever walked outside of your house, those of you that, are, that wear belts, and you don't have your belt on, and it just feels like things don't fit right? Like you just feel, uh, you just kind of feel out of place? Now, he says truth is like a belt that will give you support, stability. And this is important because we're living in a time where people are saying there's no absolute truth. Or they're saying, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm just going to live my truth. I'm living my truth. Whatever's true to me, it is my truth. And this whole idea that there is no absolute truth, can I just tell you? Actually, there is an absolute truth, and it has a name. He has a name. His name is Jesus. Nobody in the history of the world has made the claim that Jesus has made. People have said, I'll tell you the truth. I'll show you how to discover truth. I'll give you the path to truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am truth. Nobody has been so bold to say that. I am the truth. I am life. I was thinking about our church because in 2020, I want a slogan for our church, like a slogan that just, and this has really just been resonating in me, but I'm kind of going around with in my head, but I love our name of our church, Passion Life Church, but as I think about this scripture about life, I was thinking about something like, welcome to real life. This is real life, Passion Life Church, because everybody's looking for life. Everybody's looking at how to live life to the fullest. And you know what? You will never know that until you know Jesus because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. True life is found in him, but it's not found the way you think it should be found. It's actually found, Jesus said, you have to lose your life 
to find it. So many people are living their life, their truth, trying to find fulfillment, satisfaction in what they think life is. And so they do all this stuff, spend all this money, go on every vacation that they can. I'm not against vacation. I'm not against spending money. I love it. But I've talked to people who have done it and they're still not fulfilled. Why? You cannot have true life without knowing Jesus. But think about that. No absolute truth. Who in the history of the world has not only predicted their own death, right? Because you could predict your own death, right? You could say, you know, today at 1220, I'm going to go to Marietta Hot Springs and there's a train track and I'm going to step on that train track and I'm going to die, right? You could predict your own death. But who in the history of the world not only predicted their own death, but actually foretold that they would be resurrected from the dead on the third day and people saw it? You know, my dad, um, before he passed, he had a doctorate in theology. And I love my dad because he was very serious. So you put me and a serious person together, we're going to have fun all day, right? So he had a doctorate in theology, and we worked at the same church at the time, which was awesome. And so people would come up to me and say, hey, Phil, you know, my back is hurting. You know, I was like, good, go talk to my dad. He's a doctor. And so he would, they would go over there and they say, hey, my back is hurting, you know, Dr. Valdez. And he's like, I have a doctorate in theology. I am not a physician. And he would just like look at me, and I would just laugh. But he studied, and so then he would pray for them. But he would tell me all the time, he said, Phil, do you know why Jesus rose from the dead? Do you know why he did? And I'm, I didn't know if it was like, you know, like a, a pastor joke or something coming down the line here. Or, but he's like, no, do you know why Jesus rose from the dead? And I'm like, okay, I'm getting asked by a doctor in theology. I went to Bible college. I don't know, Holy Spirit, help me. And then he would look at me and go, because he said he would. That's the answer. He rose from the dead because he foretold it three days. And because he is truth, what he says has to come to pass. So we have a God who not only sent his son Jesus to come and die on the cross, but Jesus, who is truth, foretold what would happen. And he said, I will die. And on the third day, I will be raised again. And my church family, it happened and people saw it. And there is truth and his name is Jesus. So number three, truth will protect you against deception. Deception is the biggest enemy of the, uh, uh, is the biggest weapon that the enemy has is deception. Pastor Phil, I thought it may be fear, but think about fear for a minute. Isn't fear deception? Isn't fear believing it's an inverted faith that you actually believe the worst is going to happen to you? You actually believe it's never going to happen. All things are possible. Yeah, but not for me. And you actually, here's what deception is. You believe a lie. It's the opposite of truth. You believe a lie. And so with that said, your life, if it's not based on truth, you'll live a whole lie. We're seeing that played out in our culture. People don't know who they are. They're assuming identities and they're living lies. And I love those people. I pray for them. I have friends that are struggling, and I love them. But I watch them struggle. I see the private pain. I don't want anybody to live in deception. But if your life isn't based on the truth, it's going to fall apart, just like your pants starting to come undone when you don't have a belt on. 
And Paul is saying this belt of truth holds everything together. And here's the great news. Here's what Paul is saying. You have to stand. Stand in what? You stand in truth. Why? Because when you stand in truth, the enemy, the devil, cannot stand in truth because he is a liar. The Bible says that he is the father of all lies. So if you will just stand in the truth that you know, you can win. You can win. But since, watch, since knowing God's truth frees you, living a lie binds you and brings bondage in your life. But if you will stand in truth, and you just have to stand in truth. Let's jump down to verse 17. He says, and taking the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. He says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we are in a spiritual battle. So here's the thing. So we have to have spiritual weapons. So today, just as an illustration, I brought to you a sword. And this is what Paul was, was looking at. And he says, right, let's, again, all of this armor works together. You have the belt of truth, but this is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is also truth. And I want, I want you to picture this. I, I want you to picture this. So here's, here's what Paul is saying. Because Jesus said, my, my, my words are spirit and life. Why is spirit important? Because you're in a spiritual battle. And this is so powerful, you have to get it. So when I, when I speak the word of God, this is what Paul is saying. You are, it's like a sword being pierced into somebody, but it's not being pierced into somebody. It's a sword being pierced into the spirit realm because Jesus' words are spirit in life. So when you speak this word, it has supernatural implications. It pierces into another realm. Come on, somebody. We are not just in the physical realm. Come on. You can give the Lord a good round of applause. This is why when the enemy came in the desert and told Jesus, if you're the son of God, he said, it is written. Man, he was a good swordsman. I wonder how proficient you are with your sword. I wonder how much of the word of God that you know, but not just how much you know, actually how much you speak over your life. Because when you speak the word of God, you actually get into that realm where the principalities and the powers are. Are you getting this? I feel like you're getting it. This is why he gets you. It's not just about, well, you know what? Uh, I didn't read the word today. And it's kind of like a religious thing. And you need to read the word. Joshua said we need to meditate it on a day and night because it's like a sword in your hand. And when you speak it, it penetrates beyond the physical and goes to where the enemy lies. And you can win because you have the sword of the spirit. Can I hear a good amen today? And even though I live in the natural world, when I use God's word, I'm going into the spiritual realm. But how are you proficient? How proficient are you with your sword? Can you use it? Do you know how to use God's word? Do you know when you're going through certain things, do you have scriptures that you have memorized that when depression comes, that you can say a scripture and use your sword? Or do you just fall back apathetic and go, I don't know why this is happening to me. I'm going to tell you why it's happening to you. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life but you have a sword, you have a belt, you are armed and dangerous, and some of us need to get our fight back. Look at me, you have everything you need to win, if you'll use it.
if you'll use the sword. Can you imagine today if somebody came in and as I was preaching and they just walked up to the stage, beat me up. I'm on the floor. Everybody calls the cops. Cops come in, do an investigation and go, yeah, 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 it's pretty sad that this guy got beat up, but there was a sword on stage. Uh, Why didn't he use the sword? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just kind of like mean. And You're in a battle for your life. And here's how you use the victory. This is actually, there's two offensive weapons in this armor, pieces, and one of them is the sword of the spirit. And it works together with the other armor. Are you glad you came today? Thanks. Don't hurt yourself, all right, man? Please. Thanks. Then he talks about number three, the helmet of salvation. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Why is this important? How many of you have ever been in a battle? How many of you have ever been in a spiritual battle where you just know that, man, things get chaotic and you feel chaotic? It feels like you're overwhelmed. Well, you know what? He gives us the helmet of salvation because it's a vital organ. And I want to tell you, my friends, most battles are won right here in your mind. They're won or lost within the thinking. This is where you faint. You faint in your mind first. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction, talking about Jesus, from sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your what? In your minds. And this is why he says, having done all to stand, watch, stand, because you do everything you can, you stand in truth, but if you're not careful, you'll want to faint. And at the point you want to faint, he says, look, don't faint, done having all to stand, just keep standing. Stand in the truth, you will win. But we faint in our mind. And I'll tell you what, you will win if you don't quit. Don't quit. You won't lose. But he says, You need to have the helmet of salvation. Watch this. What does that mean? A mindset. This is actually the Greek of the helmet of salvation. It means it denotes hope. Watch this. A future salvation. A future salvation. A hope of a future salvation. Now, let me tell you what hope is. Hope is a positive expectation of good. Why? Because you have a Savior. You have a savior that is good. But I wonder how much hope is you think about. I wonder how much expectation you have that things are actually going to work out because your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So we have a savior who has given us such a great salvation. And I just want to help today because I think it's easy to think we have a savior. You know, we celebrate on Easter. Jesus came and he died and he's our savior. He is our savior. But what Paul is talking about is he is always your savior. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will save you today. He will save you tomorrow. And when you have a hope and an expectation, it's like a helmet that is protecting your head, which is a vital organ. Paul goes deeper. Many believe that he wrote Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, we have this hope which is an anchor to your soul. You need hope in your soul, in your mind. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Because in the battle, things get chaotic. 
But Paul says, listen, he says, hope anchors you, gives you stability when everything is going crazy. It's hard to make good decision when your mind is all over the place. You don't even have to have ADD and ADHD and all that stuff to, to go, man, my mind's going crazy. No, but Paul says in the battle, hope will be an anchor to you. What is hope? Can I just, can I give you the simple? That we're going to win. It's going to work out. Why? Not because I'm all that, but because he's all that. And because I already have a word that says that he will do that. Can I hear a good amen today? And, and, the, and the hope... And a hope will actually protect you from being double-minded, which gives the enemy a foothold, right, in the chaos of the battle. No, I have hope. I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to put my hope in the Lord. So how do we know what God thinks? We know what God thinks by what his word says. So if I read his word and use the sword, it's like a helmet to me, but it also tells me the thoughts of God. And the thoughts of God in the middle of a battle, he says, you need to have hope. It'll protect your brain. It'll protect your thoughts. Number four, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 16, verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having your loins gored about with the truth, having the breastplate of righteousness. And so Paul is saying righteousness that Jesus gives us, that we read, it's a gift, right? Dominion is a gift because righteous people will reign in life. So we have this gift, but the breastplate protects your heart, another vital organ. So righteousness protects us in the vital areas of our relationship with God. Have you ever seen those movies when somebody's about to go to war and they go to war and then they look behind them and a lot of people have just kind of left them and they're like, wow, I'm, I'm here by myself. I think it's easy to have that mindset when you're in the battle. Like, where's God? Where is he at? Well, I'm going to tell you, he's never left you and he will never leave you. And it's easy to think when you're under attack, God, a lot of people think this, God, something must be wrong with me and you because I'm under attack. Did you ever think about one of the reasons why you could be under attack is because you have a great relationship with God, because you are a child of the living King, and you're moving forward, and you know who you are, so the enemy is going to come against you. And so the breastplate, it secures your relationship with God and guards your heart. Can I hear a good amen today? Because one of the attacks of the enemy is that you're not qualified to win. You know all the things that you've done? You know all of this, you know all of that, but we have a very righteousness from Jesus. You have Jesus's very own righteousness, the Bible says, and it guards your heart like a breastplate. Guards your heart like a breastplate. And then number five, he talks about the shoes being shod with peace. Everybody say peace. Ephesians 6, 5. Uh, 15, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, uh, my wife has so many shoes that I, I, um, I think we're going to have to start running storage for it. And she has shoes like for every occasion. How many of you ladies have shoes for different occasions? Come on. Oh, you're ashamed of your shoes. So how many of you ladies have shoes for every occasion? Come on, you, you pick. You my wife will have incredible clothes on, and she will say, I, I need you to tell me which shoes look better. And she will give me five different options. Come on, somebody. Because we know the importance of shoes. 
We, we know the importance of shoes. Can I just tell you something real quick? We're almost done. Can I just tell you something real quick? No, I can't. Okay, all right, I'll get back to the message. Can I tell you something real quick? How, how, how strategic is about shoes? Um, two weeks ago, we dedicated a baby here, uh, Tierra's uh, little son. And she brought some friends, and she has an amazing friend named Jackie. That's her name, right, Tierra, Jackie? So Jackie, was, she's a prayer warrior, and we were talking in the lobby. And she started kind of like prophesying over me. And, um, and she just said, she's speaking God's word over my life. And she said, listen, God is preparing your shoes for new opportunities. And I just looked at her. I said, you know what's so, God is so detailed. I said, when I woke up this Sunday morning, I got my shoes and I polished them. And I just, for some reason, I just had this odd thought. I don't want to be up there today with dirty shoes. I, I just, I don't, it was just weird. So I got, and I, I just cleaned all my shoes. And I told her, you're here talking to me in the spiritual realm, how God is preparing my shoes. And I didn't even know, but I got up this morning and I was shining my shoes ready to be viewed as somebody who takes care of themselves, who's somebody who's getting ready for opportunities to go places, come on, to be something, to do something. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to start cleaning my shoes. And she told me, yeah, that's why. That's why you're, because in the spirit, God is preparing your feet for new places. Come on, somebody, to go. I was just like, God, you know everything. I, I was really, t I was just like, man, it, it was kind of freaky. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. I did something so simple, but it just tells you again how God cares about what you have on your shoes. And Paul says this, he says, your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel. What does that mean? Roman soldiers used to wear a leather-like version of cleats, and it's strapped around the shin. And shod means to bind them. You are supposed to be bound to peace. Who, what is peace? Well, peace is a who, it's not a what. Peace is Jesus, his name. He said, I am the prince of peace. I am to be bound with him. But they wore these cleat-like shoes. Listen to this. Because their methodology was this. The Romans thought it would be better to be stable and have a stable stance than to run fast. I want to be stable, not just move fast through life. So when a person is dominated by peace, they have an inner stability, and they're even stable in unstable times. So... Your footing and what you wear establishes, listen to this, your position. Number one, your position with God is peace. You have peace with God because of Jesus. You shouldn't doubt that in the battle. You have righteousness in your heart, which is a breastplate, but you are standing stable in peace. My church family, peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God in your life. That's why David said, you put before me a table in the presence of my enemy. I can actually sit here and pig out and go to the buffet and eat right while my, my enemies are breathing on me because I have peace in the middle of my enemies. The Bible says that God gave David rest from all his enemies, even though they were all around. Why? Because peace will make you stable. Can I hear a good amen? And here's what Paul is saying. Peaceful people stand strong. They stand strong strong in your footing you you stand in peace but let me say this and then we'll go to the last one for today 
not only do you stand in peace, but the Bible talks about you have the authority to bring the gospel of peace to other people. To take the peace that you have and share it with somebody else. I'm saying all this to you today because I believe we're living in a world where so many people are hurting and you have peace. And where we go, the gospel goes. And we have the opportunity to share peace in a chaotic world. And I'm going to tell you something. If I can win, if I can be armed and dangerous, if I can get my fight back, so can you, so can they, so can your neighborhood, so can our city, so can our nation. Here's number six and the last one. He says the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Are you still awake this morning? Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench some of the fiery darts. What does he say? Come on, what does he say? All the fiery darts of the wicked. So, here's what Paul is saying. Your shield, faith, acts as a shield. Here's the illustration. The Romans, when they were in battle, they would fight enemies who would dip the tip of their arrows, sometimes in poison. And the goal of the enemy was to shoot these arrows up. And even if that arrow could just nick you in somewhere in your body, it would have poison that would be able to destroy your whole body. Some of their enemies would take the, the arrow and dip it in a flammable substance and shoot it up in the air. This is what he's talking about, fiery darts. In hopes that that little flame on the edge of that tip of the arrow would somehow nick you, get on your, or on your inside of your body, so it would totally inflame you, your whole body. Something so small. Listen, that is the goal of the enemy. The goal of the enemy, if you don't know the truth, some small argument that you have, all of a sudden, you become upset, you won't forgive, and it's like a poison, and something so small can actually affect your whole life. Something so small. But he says, the shield of faith, it quenches every single fiery dart that the wicked one will throw at you. So, this is important as we close. This is how all of the armor works together. The devil shoots his lies from hell, but you know what? You know the truth. You know that Jesus is the truth. You know that what God said is more important than even what you think or what you feel because you have a belt on. But you know what you also have? You have a sword, and that is the truth. So if you will put faith in the truth, it's not only using your sword, but it's actually shielding your life because it's faith and truth, sword and shield. But can I just tell you what doubting does? Doubting makes you put your shield down. My church family, let's stop putting our shield down and saying, I don't know why I keep getting hit. Because unbelief and doubt makes you put your shield down. Don't put your shield down anymore. Pick up your shield and have faith in what God says. Use the word and it'll be like a sword and like a shield. A sword and a shield. Well, you know, I just don't, I just don't kind of know. Well, you know, maybe, come on, get your fight back. Stand up. 
Stand up for yourself. Use the word of God. Get in your armor and let's go. Maybe I showed up at the wrong church today. I don't know. You know another thing that faith does? Because we have a helmet of salvation. Faith treats things that are hoped for as a reality. So when we act in doubt, we lower our shield. But faith has confidence. And faith, the shield, and the helmet work together. Because the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is substance. It's the confidence. Faith gives your hope confidence. And faith looks at hope, the expectancy, and because I so believe in what I hope for, it causes me to move in that direction. And so because I have armor on, I have the sword, I'm not going to be backing up this year. At the end of this year, I'm going to finish strong, and I'm going to go into 2024, and I'm going to be armed. I'm going to be dangerous. I'm going to win. I'm going to get my fight back. I'm going to be the Christian, the God child that he wants me to be. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.